Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, <laughs> Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? We are back. Grifka, what's going on? Just uh, living the dream, man. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm, I'm doing much better than our last podcast. Where we, we, we tried to put on a, a decent face and tried to have a little fun towards the end of the show, but it was a tough one to get through with such a terrible football game. So we're back today, and uh, we told everybody before we got to Sunday that we'd preview this 49ers game and dive a little deep on a few of the topics. So we're here today to just uh, talk about that. We've got a few questions here that we'll get through, and uh, just looking forward to another uh, big game that actually counts here on Sunday. So sound like a plan? Yeah, let's do this. What uh, what kind of news and notes? You got anything on your on your mind? I mean, uh, anything that's happened since the Monday night game, either roster wise or with the team that you want to bring up here in the beginning? I mean, just a couple things. I saw today that uh, Detroit's uh, you know loved son of Zach Zenner was released today. So I uh, guess we can stop listening to people wondering why he's. Uh, not running the ball. I mean, he's not on the team anymore. So um, I don't know how much that'll hurt. I know, uh, pre, you know, before the training camp started, I was kind of pining for him a little bit. I liked how he ran hard. It always seemed to fall forward. But I was one of those guys that was always thinking, like, if he was better than that, you know, he would be getting the ball a lot more than what he does. I know uh, I know. people are like, well, he'd always seem to run hard. He'd, he'd, always, he'd always be at halftime with 50 yards. Why'd they, you know, why'd they stop giving him the ball? You know, I, I don't know, maybe the coaches saw something different. But, uh, you know, Zach Zenner being released today, I don't know um, what's that exactly opening up, you know, for some somebody else. If they have, they're maybe looking to try to bring in maybe some somebody on defense. I don't know, I haven't heard. I just did read that uh, Zach Zenner was released today. Um, that's one of the things. Uh, another thing I've been kind of watch is the uh, uh, Ziggy status with his shoulder. I uh, know um I haven't really heard a whole lot, just that, uh, you know, one of those things, it's going to be the day-by-day type thing. So um, I know he had a couple good plays early on against the Jets till his shoulder went, uh, you know, gave him, started giving him trouble, so he had to get play, you know, pulled from the game. So it's one of those things, um, it really hurts our pass rush when he's not out there. So uh, it's one of those things I hope, I hope it's not an extended time and it's something that he can work through and uh, play every week because I think right now even 75% of Ziggy is uh, – probably 100% better than uh, the next guy they put out there. Um, what have you been uh, hearing, Derek? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, Zach Center will be tremendous in the medical field, much better than he was in the backfield, I think. So good luck to him on his future endeavors. Uh, you know, good guy, but like I said, I got frustrated after the first little bit of, like you said, him, people wanting to pull him, get him the football, things like that. So, um, 
you know, you hit on Ziggy, which is good. We'll kind of go through some of the injuries and things as we get into the ball game. I mean, I guess the biggest thing with me, there was two random items that came up. First one was, I guess, the Lions brought in some punters to work out. Like, I think they're just – somebody is soiled on Sam Martin, and he hasn't he hasn't been very clutch and just seems to be falling off for whatever reason. I know he had that freak injury, which was said to be from either skateboarding or some type of stupid thing he was doing. So it feels like they're looking to replace this guy if they can find the right fit. So, I mean, it's a punter. You know, what does it really matter? But, I mean, special teams is important, but those kind of guys usually are a dime a dozen. So I saw that. And then a lot of of just these random articles and reports again, which I already cut a promo last podcast about that. And every time I turn around, it's some random reports about how, uh, you know, he lost the team and this, that, and the other. And I'm not going to go off on it again, but there's no way you're losing a football team one game in or because of a few laps and a few things in preseason. So everybody just needs to settle down and we'll get this thing going. So other than that, I mean, there haven't been any uh, roster moves here or there, just uh, added another offensive lineman, you know, things like that. There always seems like they're digging for depth or uh, a diamond in the rough on the offensive line, but we haven't really found it off the waivers or draft picks uh, step up and hopefully Crosby can be a good depth piece there. But other than that, you know, pretty much status quo, lots of questions again about last week and uh, just moving forward. Like we, me and you talk games behind you, it's over. And just like that here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, we're moving on to week two, Grifka. So we are heading out. Uh, there's been a lot of talk too about a short week. To me, that's a bunch of, it's a bunch of garbage, man. Uh, it's really not that much shorter of a week. I don't really know that that makes as much of an impact as people try to make it out to be. The long trip out west is something to consider just because, you know, those are sometimes a little different. You're not used to doing that as, and getting a whole football team over there, time difference and getting ready. But we're going to San Francisco. What are you thinking? I mean, uh, this is a big ball game. To me, it's a, one of the games, even though it's game two of, are we going to see another sloppy, just bad game across the board, or is this team going to flip the script and really shut people up and play good football? Well, you know how I feel about uh, East Coast teams traveling west. It's always a automatic tough game loss. It's a I want to say automatic, book. but it tends to be more of a loss than a win. And uh, it seems like some. In San the Francisco, Grifka. Let me remind you, the 49ers who like if you had asked last year. I don't know that you'd have been too worried yet. Now all of a sudden everybody's got them being world beaters. Yeah. Go ahead though. Hey, I agree with you. I know I was, uh, all the people giving Jimmy G all the love, but, uh, I saw his stats against Minnesota. And once again, Minnesota, I realized is one of those elite defenses and they're playing in Minnesota. So, uh, his stats weren't, you know, that great against Minnesota. And I've, I've never thought he was like the next Joe Montana out there, but, um, I see uh, the lines that tweaking some stuff, especially on that defense. Uh, it's, I think it's one of those things, once again, it's a young quarterback. I don't think the um, San Francisco offense, I mean, we said this against the Jets as well, that they have a lot of guys, skill positions that scare you. And I know they have our old buddy Lincoln Tomlinson, you know, on their offensive line. So uh, this is one of those things I think uh, Paul Pascaloni is going to be able to come up with a game plan to uh, maybe at least uh, – get a little more pressure on Jimmy G there, hopefully uh, get the ball out a little quicker. Um, that's one thing that definitely needs to happen. And then on offense, I know we talked about this on the last podcast, 
either uh, either switching up some hand signals, you know, maybe trying to be a little less predictable. But uh, maybe that's just one of those games where the Jets were really focused on week one, so they did a ton of tape on that. And I'm not saying every team doesn't do that, but once again, it's a short week for Detroit. You know, they got to tweak some stuff to, uh, you know, open up that offense a little more. What do you think let, about let me it? Jump, Go let, ahead. Me, let me jump in on that one about the, the whole hand signal. So you did bring that up, but we didn't really talk about it much. Like, do you buy that at all? Because to me, they asked Patricia about it, and he was just kind of like, you know, every game teams are, are have already studied and are picking up on tendencies, nuances, things like that. Now, in my opinion, it's been verbally said more times about the Lions than you hear about other teams, but I don't put a ton of credence into it. I mean, most teams know what other teams do for the most part, so you just need a few wrinkles, and and I think it was Dan Orlovsky, your favorite player, Grifka, oh, yeah. who uh, Mr. Run was up on back the radio. Yeah, legend, Lions legendary quarterback, Dano. Uh, he, he's a good analyst, though. I kind of like listening to him, and they were asking about it, and he was like, you know, I wouldn't put too much credence because people can say they're reading all your signals, but it's not like that can't be changed. And then next week, you can just run the same signals that people think they have figured out and dummy call them, and then you have a big play out of it, you know. So I, I just think the Lions sometimes get into more tendencies more so than, you know, they're they're using the same hand signals, the same this. It's just – you know, we're calling it from home on most plays, what they're going to do. Why would an NFL defense not be able to figure it out either? So do you really put stock in that or not so much? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, there's there might be some that you don't use all that often. In a, in a play, it's like, okay, I'm going to audible this, and you do the hand signal, you know, it's like, you know, grabbing the face mask or touching the left side of your head. And it's, it's always like one or two plays that it's going to turn out to be. And like you said, those guys are studying so much film just by your, your lineup, and if you audible to that play against that defense, like, okay, we know this is going to be the play that they run. I mean, they're pros. This is what they do. I mean, they're studying tape. There's guys breaking down tape for them, say, hey, watch this, watch this. You know, one of the Jets players said, like, you know, hey, the, you know, I thought they were going to run this this play. They called it, and Golden Tate actually, you know, moved down five yards, so we knew that's what they were going to run. You're right. That's just from watching tape. So it's got to be where they tweak it a little bit, you know, and – um like you said, the hand signals just could be dummy. I mean, anybody's played football, high school on, it's just like you always hear like the you know offensive line. It's just like they have line calls that they call out. And you're, you're actually coached. It's like, okay, there's actually dummy ones that you call. They sound like your calls, but they're dummy ones to make the defense think you're going to do something. You just run something basic then. But um, by tweaking them, the hand signals, I like you said, I think there's so much film watched already, and their tendencies was more than saying like the hand signals. So, I mean – it's kind of like baseball, when, you know, it's just like hand signals by the coaches. They try to sh- change them up, but if you pick them up after a while, you know, you can only do, you can only touch your spot so many, play, you only touch your body in so many ways that everybody can see it where they can't figure it out. My, here, here's my thing. We had a big back and forth about it, about how I still don't think the Lions have enough wrinkles though, because, you know, they don't run like the same play too often that is looks the same, it feels the same, and then it's a totally, you know, different outcome. You know, I, I do see a lot of the same, you know, formations, the same route combos that you see out there with the guys on the outside. So it's about time they take some some plays from the Andy Reid playbook and figure out how to, 
design it nearly the same, but have, you know, the, the play or the ball go to a totally different person in a totally different way. Cause they, they're still not creative enough on offense, no doubt about it. But one thing, so, you know, to me, that's not a huge issue, but one thing I want to hit on are these injuries for San Francisco. I mean, you know, Jarrett McKinnon has never been a huge player in the NFL, but he had an incredible opportunity to be like a all everything running back with crazy speed and elusiveness. And he's gone completely. Their big guy on the outside, uh, is it Goodwin or Godwin? I can't remember. Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. He, uh, he's a burner and he actually has got way better in the last calendar year. Like he was a nobody and then he came on the scene. I guess he had a good off season as well, but he's all dinged up. I don't know if he's going to play, you know, I can name you many other skill guys on their team. They just have a lot of shifty slot receivers and uh, you know, nobody that great in the offensive line. The biggest thing I'd worry about is the San Francisco defense with those big nasties. I think four out of the last five years, they've taken D linemen or, or guys D line and linebackers. I mean, they've got some, some huge guys up there with Armstead and, all those guys from Oregon that they took that are just nasty defensive ends and defensive tackle bodies that are just hard to block. So I think that'll be the biggest thing, but I think they really are hurt by injuries a lot and got to take that um, into account. And that's when you got to come up with the dubs is like, if we're going out there and they were fully healthy across the board, that'd be one thing. But if they're down some of their top skill guys, we got to make them pay. Right. And I agree with you. And I guess one of the big things is I know what the defense are, missing Ruben Foster, I mean, for off-the-field reasons. So I think that will help us as well. Um, I know there was that big debate when the Lions drafted, you know, Jared Davis, you know, was he the number one linebacker on the board or at that position? Or was that all Ruben Foster? They should have took Ruben Foster. At this point, I know I'm happy they didn't. I know the development of Davis is going a little slower than what we'd like, but I'd rather have a guy learning on the field than, you know, having to sit in a press box or at home just watching tape. So, um I definitely like that, but I agree with you too. They have like those that they have that their defensive line is going to be pretty tough, especially the way the offensive line for the Lions has struggled lately. So, if that's got to be one of those things where we do a lot of quick hitters, or you know somebody reads the hot route a little better, I know that happened last game where there was a mix up with the hot route. Um, that'll definitely help. Maybe maybe we try to use the tight ends a little more in this game, not staying in the block, but get them out in pass routes. It didn't seem like last game that. The tight ends were used very much. I know, was it Tululo had a catch, but uh, other than that, I, I can't remember any other tight ends actually getting a ball thrown their way. So I was going to say they didn't, they didn't do anything. Like the one ball was forced to Wilson when he was in quadruple coverage, but they had made no impact at all. I know Roberts, my guy, had zero for zero and didn't even notice him out there. But what are you talking about? Um, he had a false start. He uh, he, he made yeah. the stat line. Yeah, yeah, he's got to tighten it up. But uh, yeah. one guy I do want to talk about is he said a lot of some underneath routes and whatnot. What's your take on, on Sherman? Because uh, Richard Sherman's always been one of my favorite players in the game. He uh, he talks it up, but he walks it. He's intelligent. He's a he's a dog, as we talked about on the last podcast. He just goes out there, competes. He's physical. He, um, you know, is competitive. He'll get in his own team's face. He'll get in your face. You know, he's a guy you don't want to lock up with, but he is getting older. So do you worry about him at all? Because this kind of guy, to me, gives Matt Stafford issues. Like, I don't know how many years in a row Chuck Woodson picked off Stafford just by, again, knowing tendencies, jumping routes, savvy vet, 
Like, I don't want to see that happen on Sunday. I don't want to see Sherm cutting in front of one or housing one on us. But I believe Richard Sherman is the – I mean, I like him. Yeah, I liked him when he was part of the Legion of the Boom. You're right. I like those guys with the bravado like that and can back it up. Nothing's worse than a guy who talks a big game and then is always out there getting burned and still talk crap. But um, Richard Sherman, I believe he's one guy that always plays one side of the field. So he's not he's not your defensive back like, say, like a Deion Sanders who would follow somebody. He uh, He's a guy that's like, okay, you're on this side of the field. You're going to be there all game. So that's going to be one of those games where uh, Jim Bob's going to have to come up with um, matchups. Knowing that, okay, Sherman's always going to play this side of the field. You know, let's if you know he, we we got to run more on this side if if you want to try to stay away from him. You know, uh, maybe you know you put you know Golden Tate opposite you know the other side just to, you know so he's able to roam a little more underneath. But um, yeah, he's I don't Richard Sherman's not one of those guys that he's going to lock up against you know Kenny G or Marvin all day. I mean, if it's one of those things where Marvin ends up against him all day, it might be a really late day for him, and Kenny G gets the ball a little more. But that's going to be one of those things where um, Jim Bob's going to have to come up with, uh, you know, uh, matchups that will uh, hurt the uh, 49ers defense. But you're right. I believe uh, trying to stay away from Richard Sherman is going to have to be uh, one of the things that they will have to do. You know, one thing I'd like to see is, to me, so so Kenny, Kenny Boy, Kenny Galladay came out and – and played like a man, 100 yards, best game of his career. One thing that's weird with the Lions, and this could be good and bad, is it seems like they, in the last few years, love to say, oh, well, we spread the ball around. We throw it to who's open. So, like, every week, not only do you have no idea who will be the guy, but in some ways, like, I don't know that they know who's going to be the guy, which is a little frustrating because, like, part of me thinks that Galladay won't have a good game at all because he had one last week. Like, they won't match him up again. They won't look at the tape and go, like, okay, here's these routes that worked. How about we, uh, I don't know, not overthink it and go try to get him in some of the same situations against the uh, San Francisco's third, fourth corner. Let's use his height when we get down in the red zone. So I'd love to see, like, two, three of these first handful of games either Galladay be featured or them find like a guy that they can go to more than, okay, last week was Kenny's turn. This week we're going to set up the game plan. So Golden Tate gets a bunch and then we'll wait a few games and all of a sudden Marv will be the guy and he'll blow up. Um, You know, I think you got to both go with your hot hand sometimes or look at the tape as they say they always do and figure out the matchups and the routes that work and feed those kind of things, you know, because, Kenny's only going to get better every week, so you need to just keep him in the mix, keep that mojo going, and keep him keep him going. Grifka, if you had a game plan, like offensively, you know who are the kind of guys you're going to either focus on, or who are going to be your guys that are going to be picked to click? Give me like two of them on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, this week, I I don't think they're I, I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball again against that uh, 49ers defensive line. So they're going to have to do that sparingly. But a guy I think they really need to get get going is it's going to have to be Golden Tate. I know we had mentioned it. You know, Reuben Foster is not going to be sitting there patrolling the middle for them. Um, it's they're going to need to get the quick hitters based on you know that defensive line being able to get pressure on them. So I think they're going to have to do stuff to either get um, Golden Tate open as one, and then whoever the hot hand is at the tight end. I know I, I can't see Tululo being the you know the tight end to get all the balls, or maybe they run something a little special more for Luke Wilson. I know 
he he doesn't he didn't possess the same I guess athletic skill set that Eric Ebron did. And I know one of those things that Eric Ebron would be able to go down the seam, but maybe they run some pass routes just for uh, you know Luke Wilson to you know either get out to the flat you know, you know like a, maybe like a flag route or something like that, just so they get him open. I think they got they're going to have to use those guys because once again I think Richard Sherman's going to take away half the field. They you know, they they'll have to uh, shade the safety over to the other cornerback to uh, help on the either um you know on Kenny G or Marvin depends on who's lined up on the other side. So they, I think they're going to have to get Golden Tate a lot of touches and whoever the hot tight end is. I mean if Mike Roberts decide to have a breakout game or if it's Akeem Velez, I know we talked about him and you know he's got some pretty decent hands, but. If it's one of those things like they can get Luke Wilson going, I think those are going to have to be the guys that they'll have to get going. And um, I just kind of want to piggyback on on your question here, and I'll throw it back to you here, or um, your response, and then I'll throw it back to you, Derek. Those teams, you know, they say like, oh, we we have so many guys catch the ball, and they'll show that stat like X quarterback has completed a pass to nine different guys. I'm like, you're right, that can be good and bad. You know, sometimes it's one of those things like, it's like those those guys that catch you know the seventh, eighth, ninth guy. It's always like the guy you don't expect, but it's always a very important pass at a certain time. It's like the guy's left open because he's on the field and they don't expect him the play to go to him, and he's the guy that moves the chains. I, I I've seen those stats where you know Matt Stafford has completed a pass to seven different guys today. It's like okay, a couple of like little flares out of the backfield for like no gain and stuff because that's the guy that was open. It's just like. I mean, yeah, you're completing it to a whole lot of guys, but are you completing really effective passes? I mean, are they, are they doing any damage to the defense? You know, I mean, it's stuff like that where I, I just kind of get caught up. It seems like those ones, like, it seems, you know, Tom Brady does it a lot. And it always seems like Ben Roethlisberger does that a lot, too, completes it. Like, he always has, like, these games where, like, he has completed a pass to eight different guys today. And everybody talks about Antonio Brown when he was on the team and Juju Smith and, you know, and, but it's it always seems like he's he's got that he's hitting the third tight end to move the sticks on a third and five and it's always like okay we can get off the field now and then he does he he pops it to the third tight end for for an eight yard gain and just keeps the sticks moving it's stuff like that it's just like you complete a lot of passes to different guys but are they effective um, that's just kind of mine like my my take on that you know completing passes to so many different guys. But that's how I think. Back to the question you posed to me: What do you think this offense needs to do to be able to score on San Francisco this week? Yeah, I'll, I'll tackle that here in one minute. I just want to hit on your last point: is that uh, one thing that's really frustrating me, and I said it to you at the game, is you're right. Like Stafford and other teams do get credit for all those different receivers, but one thing that frustrates me about number nine is like I feel like sometimes he's just hiking the football and running the play as it's drawn on the chalkboard or as they do in practice when no one's trying to play defense, there's too many times where it's just like snap, hike, bubble screen, and it's not open. You know what I mean? There's it's there's too many people over there or he's running into the heavy box. Like I felt like last year he finally got over that where he was making all these checks, but they were actually good checks. So I just want to put that out there. Like I'm kind of sick of him – throwing the slant just because that's the first progression when it's not even open, you know, go ahead and go through your things or feed, like you said, feed your guys that need it rather than, Oh, I completed 10 different people. Well, that gets me to my second point, which is all the names you read off Grifka are all the people I don't want to get the football this week. Like I don't want Luke Wilson being featured or being a, a 
tight end that we're going to count on this week. Like to me, we talked about Sherman. I don't even know who their other corner is. I'm sure he's not very good. This is a game you go up over the top and you slam them with the football. Like I'm already ready. If Laguerre Blunt is done, I'm already ready to give carry on 20 carries and just see what he can do. You know, to me, it should be decent weather. You know, that again, they got a tough D line, but with Ruben and a few other guys out, I don't see why you couldn't pound the 49ers. Like I'd love to pound them, pound them, play action up over the top, stretch them deep. Cause I don't know that these guys on defense can run, you know, I think they're a physical defense in some areas and, a, you know, they have some veterans here or there, but I don't know that they can run with some of our guys. So Kenny Marv, I'd love to see them up over the top. And I'd see a mixture of carry on Theo, um, and Amir. Well, basically carry on pound. And I would love to see, you know, the, uh, the passing slash running game be a part of it as well, but mostly just pound them with carry on and throw it deep to the, the fast skill guys would be my two. If I had to name that's three, but um, two or three guys that I think will be impactful. I, I don't want to use Luke Wilson at all. I don't want to use toy Lolo ever. I don't want to um, feature, you know, uh, TJ Jones. I don't, I don't want any of these guys. Like, you know, I want to, go to our, our horses. And, and to me, this is a defense again, that, you know, isn't good enough where we shouldn't be able to impose our will offensively. Yeah. I mean, I could see that as well, but I don't, I don't know if I, I, like you said, I don't know exactly what's in who the other cornerback is for San Francisco, but I mean, I can understand what, uh, you're saying about uh, opening up the top because sometimes it seems like the Lions do get a little conservative. Even last tell year, me, times where they, they where they could have like went deep and they decided not to. Tell me, what is Luke Wilson, Griff? I haven't seen him do one thing since he put on the Lions uniform, and obviously I wasn't watching him in Seattle, and he didn't play much anyway. What is this guy? I'm, I'm starting to think he's. I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's. Well, the, so I mean, is he anything? Can he do anything? I think he's just another guy. He's 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 that he's that term that we talk about that we worry about. He's just another guy. I mean, they signed this guy like how we had talked about on a previous podcast that the sum of all parts is greater than you know a superstar here and a superstar there. And I know I, I believe that 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 came from the Khalil Mack talk you know that we were having before that you know if you have like you know two superstars. You know, and everybody else, you can't afford them. Your team's terrible. Where you try to put a team together, it's just like the sum of your whole is better than you know just a couple couple great players. I'm I'm thinking he's just one of those other guys. But you're right. I I at this point, even in the preseason, and I know preseason doesn't mean anything, but you know that first game, like you said, it just to see a little more from him to see. Like I said to you before, I just want that tight end right now just to be the chain mover. You know that guy, like you know, it's third and three. He he can he can do like a little five yard pass, catch the ball, and move the chains to keep to keep the defense on the field. I don't know if he's that even. He might be just just a guy. You know that if, like you said, if we ever found a better tight end, slightly better, I could live with it. So I I just I I don't know. And obviously he's he's you know running starting right now where you know Mike Roberts isn't, and like I said, Tulolo's more of the big blocking guy and he just got lucky to catch you know he just happened to be the guy in the field to catch that pass but and Akeem Velez I, I don't think he's ready yet to 
be a starter by any stretch of the imagination, but is he the best tight saying, end we got? Uh, probably, I guess, but... Yeah. I'm just saying, don't go into the Lions trap, Griff, because we were out thinking it, going, like, oh, maybe we should feature Luke Wilson this week. Like, the guy hasn't made one play. He hasn't done anything. I'm not saying any I'm not saying out there, feature like, the I, guy. I'm not willing to give it to him until he ever shows me anything, and well, we I'm didn't not, see anything we were at practice either. Well, I'm not saying feature the guy, but... I'm saying if like he's like your number two option, throw him the ball. I mean, there seemed to be like last year where they tried to force the ball to Eric Ebron just to prove it's just like this guy's effective and he's a div- he's a matchup night for- nightmare for the defense. I'd much rather have that tight end be the, you know, if if we don't have Tony Gonzalez or Bubba Franks, I'd rather have a, a tight end who could just kind of sneaks off the line, you know, does that does that block, you know, falls to his knees, acts like he's you know, beat gets up and runs a little, you know, a little five yard out pattern and who's open and moves the chains. I'd rather have that guy than, you know, like, oh, we have Eric E. Brown. We drafted him in the first round, so we got to force feed him the ball to prove that it was worth it. But, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm not saying feature the guy. You got to throw the ball, you know, to him eight, nine times. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when you need a first down, it's trying to, instead of forcing it to Kenny, Kenny Boy or Marvin all the way down the field, you know, hey, man, just take what he gives you, man. It's third and three. I'm not looking for a 40 yard pass. You know, unless everybody in the defensive backfield fell down, but I mean, if, if he's open there in the in the flat for a five yard gain to move the sticks, throw it to him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, I said two players. You think that you'd like be impactful, and you named Luke Wilson and uh, Golden. So that's that's where I got that from. But like, I'm just ready to, um, you know. Until those guys start making plays or I understand what they do, I'm not going to name them as one of my two guys. But like you say, there's going to be some attention paid to the guys I named because they're, they're just better football players and whatnot. But, um, you know, another thing, we're going to uh, update the Kool-Aid drinkers on some injuries here and then um, head to our questions pretty soon. But to, to me, Jimmy Garoppolo is, a you know, of course, a big factor as a quarterback. I think – what I like about him a lot is he seems to kind of get the ball out quick. He's got a ridiculously kind of it's a unique throwing motion. He gets it out really quick and kind of, you know, comes out of that holster slot kind of thing that just gets out there. Not the Phillip Rivers of the world, but he does kind of have a unique motion where he gets it out quick. And I think he's going to make it hard for a pass rush to get there. And he seems to be, since he's been in San Francisco, he makes pretty good decisions. I know, Matt Pat had a ton good to say about him today. Of course, they always say good things about the opposition, but he really said he has not only the personality, but the temperament and the decision-making of a really good NFL quarterback type of prospect. You know, to me, that that's going to come into play here because Matt Stafford's coming off a really tough game. He's always found it a little bit difficult to win on the road or win when he's down, not projected to win. So I think it's going to be a battle of wills maybe between those quarterbacks. And I think that Jimmy G is at home and he's going to be tough to get to for sacks. So we're going to need to get our hands on the football, tip ball, something to kind of disrupt him and make tackles when they're there to be made. But um, the battle of the quarterbacks is going to be a big one in this ball game to my opinion one of the teams is going to walk away with a w and it's either going to be thanks to jimmy g or or number nine back there on our side of the football so i sure hope um you know our gunslinger gets together yeah i'm hoping that uh the lions can uh, put the wraps on jimmy g because uh you know it seems like he's been getting a lot of love from uh 
sports uh, stations, ESPN, NFL Network, you know, because he was about 5-0 and as a starter, and then he lost, you know, to, oh, to Minnesota, and Minnesota's got a great defense. Wait till you get to home opener. And I'm hoping that the Lions defense uh, shows up and uh, can really, like you said, either tip pass or scheme it where they get they get more pressure on them. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, um, you know, you mentioned kind of the West Coast. We talked about that. We talked about our kind of picks to click or people to watch. We talked about San Francisco's injuries. So just to update everybody on some of the Lions, bumps and bruises and whatnot, you know, Matt Stafford is, says he's fine. He's practiced. But Garrett Blunt, I thought he might have kind of a a bigger injury, but it shows here that he's practiced. Ziggy, imagine that was limited. But the word is it's not too bad. So, you know, I think you hit on it before, but I need to make a point of it right now. Like, I hated hearing not only that he was out and questionable right off the get-go on Monday night, but that it was his shoulder again. I feel like this thing's going to lag. It's always going to be, a, you know, anytime he's in the game and goes down, we're going to have to – is that it? Is he going to be – I mean, and as much as we kind of give him grief for his injuries, like to me, a shoulder, a back – you know, a bad ankle sometimes. Like, those are the worst ones to have because they're not easy fixes, and if you try to play on them, they can be aggravated pretty easily. So I, I hate to see that his shoulder is bad again, especially game one, because I just think that's going to be a super big frustration, something we'll have to talk about uh, weekly here on the show. Your boy TJ Jones, no practice, thank goodness. And then uh, we got your boy Slay, um, not listed on the report. He kind of had like a concussion, but he was back in the game. Well, I don't want to say concussion. He, he obviously didn't because he came back in the game, but he got banged up, was down for quite a while on Monday. And that's, uh, of course, a guy that we need out there. So any, uh, any of those injuries, anything to say, any kind of worries about any of those guys, or you think that most of them will be a go on Sunday? Uh, I think most of them will be a go. I mean, uh, it's still a, Still early though, so we could wait for Ziggy to come down with some ailment during the game, maybe turf toe or you, hay fever. If he had to call it now, does does he miss the game? He doesn't miss the game, but I think he starts. But uh, something happens in the game where he has to get uh, he misses he misses a good portion of it. First quarter. I'll go. Uh, I'll put. Uh, I'll take the over and say second quarter. <laughs> All right. Which which again, I mean. We're, we're kind of frustrated with the guy, but, man, when he came off that edge on that first series on third down and blew through two tackles and had an absolute monster of a sack, like, that's the, that's the perfect scenario of what we've been looking for for this guy. But he just can't do it consistently, and his body's always dinged up. So, um, you know, in my opinion, these are make-or-break games for him, as you said, that if he doesn't get it together, he's going to be looking for a job, and most teams aren't going to love this this rap sheet of injuries. Right. So I, I sure hope he gets out there and I hope he can not only play, but he can't just be out there. Remember when he would play kind of hurt, but you wouldn't even never notice him. Like if he's really hurt, we got to find somebody else. Cause I don't want to see him out there playing, but not making right. plays. So let's put it this way, Derek, with what we talked about, you know, scheming, game plan, injuries, going out to the West coast, four o'clock start team, you know, East coast teams. I've said, don't play that well. What do you have for score? Who do you have winning this game? Oh man, we uh, you know we called in our predictions, but uh, to me, just with everything swirling around this team, 
And uh, again, this is the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. So, you know, I'm expecting a bounce back from this team. I'm expecting Matt Stafford to have three, four touchdowns. I'm expecting that run game, if they give it to number 33, carry on back there to, to get cooking a little bit. I mean, they were abs- we didn't even hit on it much on the last show, but absolutely pathetic again. I want to say they had 30 yards rushing on like 15 or 16 carries in total. That's just terrible. We cannot keep this going. So I think you're going to see a, a bounce back performance. You know, I think it'll be somewhat close, probably like a 20 20- 21-17, heading into the later portions of the game. But uh, I'm expecting a 10-point victory from the Lions. Wow, 10 points going on, on the road. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, myself, I mean, once again, like you said, this is the Kool-Aid cast. Um, I will say, with everything that swirled around last week, um, the team's got to play better. I mean... Ricky Jean pretty much called him out again. I don't see him doing any freelancing on the defense, uh, I, you know, simply because somebody's going to notice that and then they're going to point it out to him. It's just like you're going to preach to us and say, do your job, and then you don't. You know, that's. I don't think that's going to happen again. Um, if, you know, the Lions win this one, I think it's going to have to be one of the Matt Stafford comebacks. I don't see this one as, like, the Lions going up and putting them away and just sitting on it. This – I think this is going to have to be one of those, uh, you know, pan at Matt Stafford, you know, oh, you got the lead late in the game? Okay, I'm here to take it back. And the Lions win it out that way, you know, late in the game. And hold on, I'm going to go with a score of like 27-23. I, I, I think that's what's that's the way that game is going to have to go with uh, Lions winning it late late in the game, you know. It's one of those things where 49ers kick a field goal, go up, uh, you know, 23-20, and then Stafford has to bring them back. Link the game, they win 27-23. All right, well, perfect. We got our predictions in. Hopefully they're much better than our previous predictions because uh, we were quite a bit off on our, on our game one of the season, so I'm expecting a better game two and better predictions here from uh, the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Uh, so with that being said, Grifka, how about we, uh, we hit a few questions here and then we will uh, get up out of here and let people uh, get hyped, get ready for this game on Sunday. Okay, let's see what the let's see what the public has to say this week. All right, our first question today comes from Vincent K in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vincent would like to know. I know you guys said the Lions would win easy on Monday Night Football. This isn't a kind of a statement by him, but he says, "But I knew they had no chance, no chance in hell." What do you? And then he asks, "What do you think will happen this week?" question mark hmm. what do you think Grifka I mean are we talking with the Jets or are we talking against the, <laughs> the how the Jets are going to do this week no I'm just kidding no no that. he said he said that we uh, we thought they'd win on Monday he knew that with the Lions had no chance now what I mean we obviously both think they're going to win here I mean I would have to go with they're going to have to bounce back and uh, I haven't won in this game, so uh, I'm not sure who Vince is. I really appreciate him listening all the way from uh, Connecticut. But uh, any you know. uh, any like back like any regrets on that we both had such a big blowout for Monday night, and here Vince Vincent Kennedy or Vincent Gay uh, just knew that it wasn't in the cards. I mean, anything we should apologize for? Sign apologizing for that? No. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's crazy though. I mean, we were all set. Even all my buddies who talked to him. Oh man, they should probably come out and, and 
and hammer them, like, even though we had a bad preseason, no big worries. And then uh, it was the total other way around. So that was uh, was quite the shocker. So let me give you the second one, Grifka. You'll love this one, this uh, question. Let me make sure I get this name right. Um, appears to be, this is uh, Kobayashi, I believe it's pronounced. And he says he's at an eatery somewhere in Coney Island. He said, did you enjoy any of the new food on the Ford Field menu? Oh, man. I just know uh, we, we thought about it, but we were uh, we didn't want to be in a food coma for the game. I'm starting to wish that, that we would have been in a food coma. And know uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of bummed out, man. By the time we got up there, like the line was just massively long. And I'm just like, uh, I don't want a dog that bad. But um Next game, man. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Kobayashi. I did not partake in any of the new, the new uh, food at uh, at Ford Field. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we talked up that uh, bacon wrapped dog and a few other things, but in there we're just all football, man. We didn't want to deal with the lines, the people, the cost of that kind of stuff. So chocolate nachos or the funky food or whatever they're having there for the people that don't care about the game. We just we just sat in our seats and and. We're super excited, but then also just biting our lip for the whole game, just frustrated as could be. So, um, sorry, Kobayashi, no food. But we did have lots of hot dogs at the tailgate. So, again, we don't we don't know you, but we probably uh, that's probably one of your faves. And it's always a good tailgate go to is the hot dog and the brat. So, I mean, yeah, had a couple, you know, not a world record or anything, but it was still good. Grifka, let me give you one, and then I think I, I sent you a couple too that you have, so you can have the last two. This next question comes from Martin in San Francisco. Martin would like to know. He says, uh, "I can't believe Ziggy is hurt again. Signed, water is wet." sky is blue, etc. Do you think a top pick always being hurt like this can impact a GM that drafted him? So he's kind of asking like, you know, Bob Quinn didn't select Ziggy, but we're coming up on year two or three of uh, Bob Quinn's tenure. Draft picks are getting all dinged up. Do you think that can cost somebody their job as a general manager? Oh, yes, definitely, because uh, if they become misses, that becomes your M.O., I mean, it's what happened to Matt Millen. You know, he just he had all those misses, and it happened to Martin Mayhew. Not so much, I was saying the first round per se, but you know, all those second round picks, none of them stuck with the team. I mean, that's th- those are supposed to be, like I said, your Hall of Famers, your Pro Bowlers, your superstars. And at, like they always say, at the draft, the back end of the draft is where you fill out your team. It's all all those little grinders and special teams guys that fill out the rest of your roster. And if one turns out to be a Hall of Famer. You know, then, you know, you kind of got lucky. You got the golden ticket. But, you know, if they're drafting guys, if Bob Quinn drafts a, you know, a guy that's so either always hurt, never on the field, and you've paid them even even under a rookie contract, you've, you've paid them, you know, you know big bucks, then, uh, yeah, because at this point, I don't know, if, like, I guess trust is the only term I can use right now. It's just like, do you trust this guy to be able to pick the right people to, to build your franchise. And if uh, I realize what uh, Ziggy, you know, he's a little older. And at this point, I, I, I remember when he was drafted, I always thought he was a project and I never thought you took a project that early. And then, you know, he pleasantly surprised me with what he did. But like I said the last few years, he's, it seems like he's becoming that paper lion. He just can't stay on the field. So, you know, it's definitely going to, you know, affect what uh, GMs can do and how they're looked upon by the owners. Yep, I agree. Okay. Um, 
let's see. I uh, got. Uh, let's see. This is one that you sent over to me. It's a. Uh, it's from Barry in Bristol. It's like a. Uh, Derek sure seemed right about. Derek sure seemed right about Kenny G. Now, do you think he can keep it up all year? Oh man, Barry, I appreciate the question. Uh, you know, I, I hate to pat myself on the back, but I have been saying that. And again, it's only one game, but. Uh, Kenny Galladay sure sure looked like an NFL receiver. He sure made plays, um, both deep, short, intermediate, went up and got the football on third down. I really liked what I saw. So I think both in fantasy football, he can be one of those sleepers that you want to latch on to now before he maybe has multiple games like that. And I think all year, if the Lions can find ways to match him up against guys that aren't as talented as him and also – you know, again, we saw a terrible red zone offense, I felt like, on Monday night. You know, they were down there a few times, got nothing, missed field goals, and then also went for it on fourth later in the game and, and couldn't put it in the end zone. So I think next time we're inside the 20s, you got to look for, you know, number 19, number 11, and start throwing the football up to those tall athletic guys and letting them come down for touchdowns. So, you know, Barry and Bristol, you know, I don't know if, if you're a fantasy player or not, but you can take that advice to the bank. And uh, try to get Kenny on your team as well as try to, you know, don't give up on these Lions yet in regards to fantasy. But, yeah, I'm expecting Kenny to keep it up and have a big year. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the same thing. It's a big breakout year for him. So, let's see, uh, last one here. Um, it's actually Brian from the Monday Night Football booth. His question oh, wow. is, uh, uh, his question is uh, did you know Sam Darnold is only 21? Griff, I got one for you. Did you know, this is crazy, uh, probably, I'm just blowing your mind right now. Did you know Jerome Bettis is from Detroit? I, I did not know that. Wow. Oh, man. Really? How, how, God, I don't think, gosh, you think, you think a guy who was born and raised in Michigan, you know, would have actually heard that before, but no, man. Griff, I got another one for you that you won't be able to believe. What's, did you know that Matt Stafford and Clayton Kershaw played baseball and grew up together? God. You're just you're just dropping bombs on me, man. You are like this is this is like taking a punch from Tyson right here, man. I'm just like all wobbly, man. I'm just I'm about to pass man, well, off. Trying, just, you're, you're blowing my mind with the with these stats. I mean, Brian from the uh, the Monday Night Football booth. I mean, he's coming in with a doozy that we never heard before uh, about Darnold being 21, and not being able to, to buy beer yet. I got to bring a few uh, big nuggets to the table as well. So there you go. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm sure you blew our listeners' minds with that. Yeah, they're welcome. Yeah. So it's okay. That's all the questions we got this week. So uh, everybody keep sending them in. They're nice to read them. Uh, hit us up because it's always fun reading your questions. We do appreciate it. Definitely. D-E-T-Kool-Aid at gmail.com. You can check us out. And, and like we say, you know, we're not doing any commercials or we're not selling anything here on the podcast. But if you give us a a review or hit that subscribe button on iTunes or even, uh, you know, find us on Twitter, Detroit underscore Kool-Aid on Twitter. Or if you want to send us that email, it's D E T the word Kool-Aid all one word, lowercase at gmail.com. You can send those questions in. So appreciate uh, shot them in. We'll keep uh, bringing those to you. Uh, we hear that people enjoy the question segment. So we'll keep that coming from time to time. So Grifka, We've given them a little preview. We've talked about some news and notes. We've answered some questions. Think there's anything else big, or should we just get ready for a big dub on Sunday? Well, let's just get ready for the big dub, man. Everybody drink it in, man. Definitely. So uh, 
shorter podcast today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, big bounce back expected for the Lions. And if they don't, if they play like they did on Monday, we'll be right back here next week to talk about it. And uh, we'll definitely have probably some different feelings on some of it because uh, we expect the team to turn it around and start playing better better ball across everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy that game. Get ready on Sunday to support your team. We'll be back here next week on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Everybody, take care. Back to back, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.